Hi everyone, Pastor Gregory Bartram here, lead pastor here at Destiny Church, where your history doesn't define your destiny. I just want to welcome you to Your Destiny Podcast. Thanks for listening. And my prayer is that the message that you hear today brings healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. Tonight I do have a word to deliver. So if you will go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1. Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse number 1. Luke writes, and he says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quartinians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he had saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. They went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Now, I want you to pay close attention with me tonight to what verse 9 and 11 says. Verse 9 says, and he, talking about Peter, went out and followed him, the angel, and wist not that it was true. He didn't know if it was true or if he was imagining it. He said, wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Listen to what verse 11 says. It says, and when Peter was come to himself... He said, now I know surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Now I want to also read these two verses from the Passion Translation because it's from the Passion Translation that I'm going to take the title of my message tonight. So listen what the Passion Translation says. It says this in verse 9. Peter quickly left the cell and followed the angel even though he thought 
it was only a dream or a vision. Listen to what it says. For it seemed unreal. Everybody say unreal. For it seemed unreal. He couldn't believe it was really happening. Well, I love this. Listen to what verse 11 says. It says that that's when Peter realized that he wasn't having a dream. He said to himself, this is really happening. <laughs> this is really happening. The Lord sent his angel to rescue me from the clutches of Herod and from what the Jewish leaders plan to do to me. So tonight, for the night of revival, I want to preach about when the unreal really happens. Let me say that again. When the unreal really happens. How many is ready to see some unreal stuff? Come on, I'm talking about stuff that when you see it, you think you're dreaming. I'm talking about the kind of move of God that when you experience it, you think you are, you are seeing a vision. Come on, I'm, I'm ready to see some unreal stuff take place. I'm ready to see some uncommon stuff take place. I'm ready to see some extraordinary moves of God that we've never seen happen. Amen. How many is ready to see that happen? Amen. Father, bless the reading of your word. We're believing for great and mighty things. We're believing for things that we have never seen, never felt. Lord, we're believing for unreal things, God, to happen in this generation. Lord, we want unreal things to happen in this church, God. And Lord, we're going to keep going after you, God, until we see it happen. Lord, we don't want just to dream when we thank you for dreams. And we don't want just visions and we thank you for visions. But God, we want to see it become a reality. We want to see it really happen. Father, bless your word tonight. Bless your people. Be with us tonight. Speak to us. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive. And we'll give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. When, when something is unreal, it's strange. When something is unreal, it, it, it appears to be imaginary. When something is unreal, it's, it's surprising. How many knows when, you, when you've never seen something before, it surprises you? When you, have, when, you, when you can't recognize something because you've never seen it before, it surprises you. When you encounter the unreal, it's unusual. When you encounter the unreal, it's hard to believe. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see some unreal stuff happen in the house of God. I'm ready to see the, the, the saints of God, the church, the people of God start to operate and do unreal things. See, the problem is church has become too real, too familiar, too common, too usual. What we need is we need a move of God in such a way where unreal things happen. I'm talking about strange things, church. I'm talking about surprising things. I'm talking about the kind of things that when it happens, people look at it and can't hardly believe it. How many would like to see that? I'm tired coming to, to, to church and seeing the same old things over and over and over, singing the same songs, having the same encounters, and, and having the same experiences, having the same revivals, having the same meetings, having... Yeah. 
I, I want to see the unreal. I want to see strange things. I want to see powerful things. I want to see things that my eyes have not seen, my ears have not heard. I want to see things that I've never imagined before. I want to see things that when you see it, you are amazed and you are in wonderment over the things that God is doing, church. And I believe that it can happen and it can happen now if people would just begin to get hungry and thirsty for something more. God is not out of moves of God. God is not out of revivals. He's just finding fewer places to give them because people are not hungry enough for them. Because I'm going to tell you something about revival. I'm going to tell you something about a move of God. When it takes place, it changes everything in your life. It rearranges everything. We can't cry out saying, God, give me a move of God. God, give me revival. Because most of us would get mad at God because he inconvenienced you. Got real quiet on me right there. That's okay. I want to see unreal things. And let me tell you something. I have come here tonight not to, not to just preach another sermon. Matter of fact, the Lord told me to come here and prophesy. I come here to prophesy to this church. I've come here to prophesy to this region. I come to prophesy to, 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 to every person. I come to prophesy to this city. I've come to prophesy to, 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 to this area and the areas beyond. I come to prophesy. And I know, listen, sometimes we can't see things, but I come to prophesy to the things we cannot see. Amen. I come to prophesy and I come to say this, that strange things are going to happen. I come to prophesy that the things that we have dreamed of and the things that we have imagined are really going to happen. I come to prophesy that the, that the surprising things and the unusual things and the hard things to believe are going to happen and it's going to happen here. Amen? Amen. How many can agree with me tonight that we are going to see things happen in this church? We're going to see things happen in our region. We're going to see things happen in our city. Things that we've never seen. Unreal things. Strange things. The Bible says that the church was constantly increasing in number because of the mighty signs and wonders that were being done by the apostles' hands. In the early church... The church grew because it had unreal things happening. You went to a church service in the early church, it was possible and maybe even normal to see unreal things happen. Things that would blow your mind, things that would cause you to fall upon your face and worship God, things that would strike fear into your heart when you saw them. That's what I want, church. I want to see that kind of, that kind of moving, moving of the Holy Ghost. That's what I desire more than anything is to see things that would just blow our minds. How many is ready for something like that? And, and so the reason why that I am fully convinced and the reason why I preach this over and over and over and over and the reason why I prophesy it over and over and over is because I really believe it in my heart. I really believe that we're going to see a move of God in this house. I really believe that we're going to see a move of God in this city, that our city is going to be turned upside down by the, by the kingdom of God and by an invasion of, of heaven in this area. I believe that with all of my heart. I am fully persuaded. There's not one person that can convince me otherwise that God don't have a purpose for this area. 
Nobody can, fool, can, can convince me otherwise that the dreams that I've had and the prophecies that have been spoken are not going to be fulfilled in this house. Like the, like the dream that Mary had about being in a boat going down a river and as she was going down the river, she saw the mountains on fire. I believe that's going to happen. We're going to see a fire break out and I've been praying, God, let the fire be ignited here. Let us be the launching pad for something great that will literally begin to change the landscape of our area and, and, and areas beyond this place. I really believe that every prophecy, every word that has been spoken is going to happen. There's not a devil, there's not a, there's not a person, there's nobody that can tell me otherwise. I believe that there is a move of God. I don't care if we get down to one person, I'm still going to get behind this pulpit and declare that revival's coming to the house. You hear me? I'm still going to declare that unreal things are going to happen, that we're going to see strange things and mighty miracles and wonders and signs are going to manifest. I don't care if I'm the only one up here. My family's not even here. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to prophesy it. I'm going to proclaim it. So let, let let me give you a disclaimer tonight. We're not going after signs, wonders, and miracles. Don't get me wrong. We're going after the one that when he shows up. Let me say that again. Let let me say to this house, we're not going after signs, wonders, and miracles. We're going after the one that when he shows up, unreal things begin to transpire. Unreal things begin to happen because he's in the room and because he's in the region. All we got to do, church, is really get the real presence of Jesus in the house. What we need is to get the presence of Jesus in the region. So how do we get the presence of Jesus in the region? Here's how. Jesus said, if I can get two or three to come together in my name, he said, I will show up in the midst. And I've come to tell somebody that if Jesus ever shows up in the midst, when Jesus shows up, unreal things will begin to happen. So here's the thing I've been praying. God, we've been coming together. We've been praising and we've been praying and we've been preaching. But one element that is missing is where is the unreal things? Where are the things that the early church saw? Where are the signs, wonders, and miracles? Here's here's why we don't see that. Because we, we have created our own Jesus. Because if we had the real Jesus who done unreal things, it would mess up our order in church. And church services might go longer than an hour. Jesus might show up and actually want to stay. We don't mind Jesus showing up as long as it's on our timetable and our time frame. But if Jesus stays over, we're just going to leave him sitting there and we're going to go get to the buffet. And, and let me tell you what, Jesus shows up at places where he's invited. Matter of fact, he shows up at places where it's all about him. And as long as Jesus is here and as long as his presence is here, we're going to stick around until we see something that we've never seen. Because I promise you, if Jesus hangs out long enough, you're going to start seeing cancer get healed and dead people get, start getting back to life. And you're going to start seeing wheelchairs empty. And you're going to see crutches laid over to the side. You're going to see people get miracles and we're going to see signs. Why? Because Jesus is really in the house. 
it still amazes me how people can go watch a three-hour movie and eat popcorn and be engaged. Come to church and you can't keep, you can't, they can't keep their eyes open. Does Jesus bore us? That's a good question, isn't it? Does Jesus bore us? Does the preaching of the word bore us? Does praise and worship bore us? And so what, what, what leaders have done in the church is now we have created a service for people that are bored. I want to tell you if, if you, if you, if you can't enjoy service and engage in the service, the service ain't boring, you're boring. Yeah, because when I come to church, I really want to see Jesus. When I come to church, I come with the mindset, today could be the day that revival breaks out and everything changes in our church and everything changes in our area and there's a move of God and we see prodigals coming home and people getting saved, people getting delivered, chains are being broken, demons are being cast out. I, every time I come to church, I say, God, let today be the day where revival begins to break out. Let today be the day that I begin to see unreal things that I that I've never seen before. The church needs to perk up a little bit. Jesus is in the house. If we would stop seeing church just as a service to get through and start seeing church as a place where Jesus is at, we would start bringing our sick to church. Like the four, the four men did with their friend. The Bible says Jesus was in a house preaching and the house was so full and so packed and even the outside of the place was packed that they couldn't get him into the, into the normal door, into the front door. So the Bible says they went up on top of the roof and started tearing the roof off. Why? Because they needed a miracle. Church, I tell you, it's time that we come to church and li listen, lay aside every hindrance and lay aside every excuse of why you didn't get your miracle and come to church saying, if I got to tear the roof off, I'm going to see Jesus. If I gotta tear the roof off, I'm gonna get my blessing. If I gotta tear the roof off, I'm gonna get my breakthrough. Come on. If we would come with that kind of mindset, revival would break out. Isn't it amazing that, 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 that the way that the man got lowered to Jesus was somebody had to put some work in. When we come to church, we gotta put some work in. We gotta put some praise in it. We gotta put some worship in it. We gotta put some, we gotta put some emotion in it. We gotta put some love in it. We gotta put some hunger in it. I'm hungry. Do you know why I'm hungry for unreal things? Because I know God can do the impossible. We need to stop just believing God for the possible and start saying, God, it's time we see impossible things. I feel this in my belly. The Bible actually tells us when you read the Gospels that Jesus actually did unreal things. The Bible says that one time there was a man who was sick with the palsy. That means no part of his body worked. Every day he laid on a mat on the ground. Had to rely on other people to take him different places. Had to rely upon begging for money, begging for food. He could not even feed himself. He relied on others. He relied on the, on, on the generosity of others. He, re, re, he relied on the goodwill of others. 
But one day, Jesus showed up. And when Jesus shows up, unreal things happen. And the Bible says that when Jesus showed up, he looked at that man and told him, said, take up thy bed and walk. And, and the Bible says, I love what it says. It says, and immediately. <laughs> Woo! And immediately he got up, took up his bed. I love, I love this. What used to control him, and now he's got control over. Because when Jesus shows up, everything that had control over your life, it loses control. Come on, preach. The man got up and he was healed. And the, I love what the Bible says. The Bible says that every person that saw it was amazed. They marveled and even some feared. And this is what they said. For we have seen strange things today. Do you know what the word strange means? It means something beyond one's expectation. Oh, I can't wait for the day that we're coming and expecting one thing, but then God goes beyond our expectations. Amen. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Meaning this, that if you can expect it, God will always exceed your expectations. So let's make our expectations high. Come on, if, what would happen if we come in here expecting for miracles? God would, God would exceed that, our expectation. What if we come in here expecting to get a breakthrough? God would do more than give us a breakthrough, amen? He would, he, if we come in here expecting for our healing, God would do more than just heal your body. He'll bless you, break you through, and, and prosper you. I've come to tell you, God is looking for somebody that will just come and expect him to do things that we've never seen, unreal things. And he says, when you, when you think it, and if you can ask it, and if you can imagine it, he will go beyond it. Strange things means something goes beyond our expectation. Strange means new things. It means miracles not yet seen as of that time. I believe that there's miracles that no one has seen in this time yet. How many is with me tonight? I believe that there's miracles that this time period has not even seen yet that Jesus is getting ready to do. Whew. That stirs me up. I, I, that's why I am not going to miss it. There is nothing in this world worth missing that over. There's not a paycheck worthy enough for me to miss that over. There's not, there's not an appointment on my calendar that is, that is worthy enough for me to miss that there's not an event in my life. There's not a ball game, a baseball game, basketball game, football game that is worthy enough for me to miss what God is getting ready to do. Str strange means, it means surpassing the opinions and expectations of men. Strange means uncommon, unexpected. Not only did Jesus do unreal things, but catch this. Jesus said we would do unreal things. Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. How many believes in Jesus tonight? He says, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works. Everybody shout greater works. Greater works. Greater works. 
With the, the, the word works there means miracles. Jesus said, I've done some great miracles. Matter of fact, John said at the end of his, uh, in, end of his gospel that Jesus did so many miracles that if, it was, if all of them were written in the book, the volumes and the libraries could not hold them. And then Jesus looks at us and says, you think I've done it, something? He says, get ready. You're going to do greater miracles than I, than I have done. So I looked up that word greater. You know what that word greater means? It means larger. That word greater means it means stronger. And then I added one to it. So it's not only greater, sh- larger, and stronger, but I believe greater works also include stranger. Stronger and stranger. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I've been praying for. God, give us a service. Give us a move of God. Give us a revival where it's not just greater and larger and stronger, but give us a service where strange things begin to break loose and break out in our church. Come on, how many knows God's creative? He's creative. Listen, Jesus was referring when he said, when he said, greater work shall you do because I go to my father, Jesus was referring to a certain time period. What was that? When Jesus would go back to the father and the father would send the Holy Ghost down. So Jesus was actually referring to the works, miracles that the church would do after they had been endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something tonight. I still believe the Holy Spirit gives you power. Not just power to speak in tongues. Not just power to be a good witness. I believe it gives you power to lay hands on the sick and they recover. I still believe that the power of the Holy Ghost is good enough to look at a devil and say, you got to get out of them in the name of Jesus. I still believe in that Holy Ghost power that you can take control of your house and get, get your house under authority. Come on, somebody. I still believe in that, that kind of Holy Ghost power that will give you an anointing to preach the gospel and see things happen in your life. I still believe in that Holy Ghost power. Come on, somebody. You talk to some people that got the Holy Ghost and you think that the Holy Ghost has completely lost all power. Afraid of devils. If you got the Holy Ghost, you ain't afraid of no devil. You got the power to look at that devil and say, you got to go. We got to believe in ourselves again. We got to we got to we got to believe that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Who's in you, church? Jesus Christ is in you. But if you just want to be a little casual, normal Christian, you won't see very much. If you just want to be a Wednesday, well, people, some people don't even go, go, go to church on Wednesdays anymore. But some people just want to be a little good Christian that goes on church on Sundays and goes through the motions. I want to tell you, I, I, I am done with that. I'm ready to see a move of God. I'm ready to see things that I've never seen. I'm ready to, I'm ready to lay hands on people that got cancer and see, see, see reports come back where cancer is no longer in their body. I'm ready to see diabetes healed. I'm ready to see things happen and, and miracles happen in people's bodies. I'm ready. Man, I can't wait till we build a room where that room, all it has is trophies. You know what kind of trophies I'm talking about? I'm talking about empty wheelchairs. 
I'm talking about empty braces. I'm talking about reports where people went to the doctor, got another x-ray, got another MRI, and came back with nothing. Come on. That's the kind of trophy. I'm telling you, the church, if we would begin to believe and begin to recognize that greater is in us than he that is in the world, we wouldn't just be a casual Christian. We would have a hunger and a desperation to begin to see those things demonstrated and manifested in our day. And I'm tired of hearing everybody say, well, God used to do that. No, honey, God wants to do that today. But bless God, he done that during the tent revivals in 1940. Honey, he wants to do it in 2021. Come on. He wants to save in 2021. He wants to cast out devils in 2021. He wants to perform miracles, signs, and wonders, and unreal things today. He's the same today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Preach. Jesus said... Greater works, greater miracles shall you do. He was referring to the time that the Holy Ghost and power would come down upon the people. After the Holy Ghost came, you started seeing some things. For instance, the Bible says in Acts chapter 5 that the power of God emanated from Peter's life so strongly that people brought their sick and their possessed, laid them in the streets so that Peter's shadow might touch Peter didn't have to lay hands on him. He just. Just walked by him. And the power that emanated from Peter's life. It, it was not just in him or on him. It was actually also in his shadow. Now, we would look at that and say, that's strange. No, I would say that's God. Because God does strange things. God is, God is strange. The shadow. I, I asked God when I was studying this, I said, how close does a man have to get that we don't have to lay hands on people? Just the overcast of our person touches them. I remember reading stories about Smith Wigglesworth. I don't know if you guys have ever read anything or heard about Smith Wigglesworth, but Smith Wigglesworth would tell a story about one time he got on a train and he was going to go find him a seat. And he said that when he, he said when he looked back, he saw this priest who was on his knees crying out saying, God, save me. He said he turned, he turned around and he looked and he said, what is going on with you? He said, there was something about you that when you walked by me. He said, my heart was so convicted. And he said, I'm a religious man. But he said, there was something on your life that when you walked by me, it touched my heart. It touched me. And I felt the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And he said, and I could not keep it in any longer. And he fell down on his knees in that train and he began to call out, church, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm asking God for. I do not want to be a common, normal Christian. I want that kind of power in my life. I want that kind of, a, of glory in my life. I want that kind of presence in my life. I'm waiting for the time that we are walking, minding our business at Walmart, shopping, but because of the glory of God is so strong on us, all of a sudden you see people falling down on their knees saying, God, save me. Or we see people getting up out of wheelchairs and, we, and, and it was just accidental because we brushed by them. Come on, somebody. 
I'm ready to see people that are, are, are withered up see their limbs begin to straighten back out. I'm re- listen, the Bi- listen, the Bible says greater works. Smith Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth, he was a mighty man of God. There was another story, and it was, this was a proved story because I was watching Jimmy Swaggart one night, and he had the da- one of the granddaughters of, J- of Smith Wigglesworth at his church. And they asked her, said, was that story really real about Smith Wigglesworth going into the funeral parlor? She said, yes, it was. It was a proven fact. You see, some of you be like, what did he do? He walked in a funeral home, not to preach a funeral, but to manifest the glory of God. He walked up, grabbed that guy out of the casket, put, put him on the wall and said, in the name of Jesus, live. The man fell down. The family is going crazy. Oh, God, what is this man doing? He picks him back up and said, in the name of Jesus, I said, live. He fell back down to the ground. The family's going crazy. Smith Wigglesworth picks him back up, throws him back on the, on the wall. And he said, in the name of Jesus, I declare life in your body right now. And all of a sudden, that corpse went... <coughs> And it lived and people, I'm telling you, were saved. The Holy Ghost began to break out. Why? Because there was an anointing in Smith Wigglesworth because he did not want to be a normal, common, usual Christian. He wanted to see unreal things. And I'm telling you, when when a Christian or a believer starts to really, really believe and hunger after God, you'll see the same things. God is not a respecter of persons. The only reason why I'm using these Smith Wigglesworth stories is because of the most recent that I've read. I, was, I remember a wife, of, or a woman coming to Smith Wigglesworth after one of his meetings and said, I don't want you to stay in the hotel. I want you to come and sleep in my bed tonight. She said, I have a husband who is, who is, who is so wicked, who is so sinful, who does not know God. And I, and I just, I, I don't know what else to do. And she said, the Lord spoke to me and said to get you and to have you sleep in, in my bed. Now, this means that she wouldn't be in the same bed with him. She'd be sleeping in another bed. And she said, she said, I want you to sleep in my bed because I believe something's going to happen. Smith Wigglesworth goes and lays and sleeps in her bed all night, gets up the next morning and leaves. Her husband comes back from a business meeting. It's time for bed. He lays in that bed, and all night he dreams of the flames of hell upon him. He wakes up out of a nightmare and finds his wife and says, Honey, i got to give my heart to the Lord. Church, what, where's the stories today? Where's the stories in our life? Where's the stories in your life? The, the, listen, he's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not done. He's not finished. He's ready to find somebody that he can pour his spirit out upon. Somebody that will make the sacrifice. Somebody that will pay the price. Somebody that will say, God, I want you and nothing else. God, I'll be inconvenienced. I'll do whatever it takes, God. I'll pray as long as I need to pray. I'll fast as long as I need to fast. I just want your glory and your presence. What do you want? Do you want to come to church and just get a little little trickle, get a little chill bump? I want to come in here and the glory be so heavy that people start falling on their face. I want the glory to be so heavy that people pull up in the parking lot, can't even get out of their car because of the weight of the glory of God. I want, it, I want the glory to be so heavy that people drive by and their car stops. Yes. 
because it can't make it through the thick cloud of God's glory. Why not? The Bible says one time, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 19 was preaching and there was such a multitude around him that he couldn't touch everybody, he couldn't pray for everybody. So he began to tear pieces of his clothing off. I know some people won't believe this, but that's okay. I, I tell people all the time, if you can't believe it, you can't receive it. That's why some churches, they'll never see what I'm talking about. Why? Because they can't never believe it. Preach. The Bible says that he tears off pieces of his clothing and sends it out throughout the crowd. And when that piece of cloth touched somebody that was sick or demon-possessed, the Bible says they were healed and delivered. Now, we would look at that and say, that's strange. No, that's just unreal. And that's what God does. Strange things. Do you know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to provoke you tonight. I'm trying to provoke you to believe God for more. To be more committed than you have ever been. To be more hungry today than you have ever been before in your life. Why? Because I believe God wants to do more than you could ever imagine. He's just looking for somebody that will pay the price for it. I'm done with casual Christianity. It hadn't been working. I'm tired of bigger stages and brighter lights and fog machines. And I, I, listen, all that, I'm not, I'm not down in that stuff. But what we really need is the real glory. We need the real glory. Like they had on the, in, in Azusa Street. It was just a, a feed store, but yet revival broke out on Azusa Street in California and Los Angeles. In a feed store. With dirt floors. The preacher before service would put his head in a box and pray. But that move of God literally caused a fire to spread, not just through the streets of Los Angeles, but literally around the world, the fire of God began to spread. Now, church, I'm telling you, we could have the same thing here if we would get serious. If we would really be serious with our relationship with God, not just at church, but have a relationship with God in your private life. The reason why we don't have revival is because we do everything at church. But when we walk out the door, we leave our relationship at the door. We leave our prayer life at the door. We leave our worship at the door. The devil is a liar. This is the time and season where we pick those things up and carry them into Monday, Tuesday. Be serious. Live holy. When you come to Christ, some things have got to change in your life. You got to come out from amongst this perverse generation. You got to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I shall receive you. I still believe in being sanctified and living a holy life and living right. We, revival comes to those who want to live right. 
We can't live in fornication and then ask God to give us revival. We can't have sin in our life and say, God, give us revival. We're going to have to lay aside every sin that so easily besets us. We're going to have to lay aside some things and say, God, purify me. Who shall ascend unto the holy hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. God cleanse our hands. That's what James said. James said, cleanse your hands, O ye sinners. Purify your hearts. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he shall exalt you. If we would humble ourselves, God will not have to humble us. We got too much pride in our life. We got too much dignity in our life. We're too, we're too arrogant. Come on, somebody. We're too puffed up. It's time that we humble ourselves at the cross. It's time we get back to the cross and say, God, cleanse me afresh by the blood of Jesus because I want to see a move of God. I am convinced that 90% of tongues that are in the church are fake anyway. Do you know why? Because if you really had the same Holy Ghost that, that, we, that's, that, that, that the Bible says, how many knows you're going to love people? Yeah, if you got the Holy Ghost, you're not going to hate nobody. You're not going to hold unforgiveness. Because I, last, I, last I, I, I felt this just recently. I felt the Holy Ghost convict me. I want that same conviction. I want the Holy Ghost to come into this house. I don't want us. Listen to me. It drives me crazy. The big thing now in church growth is make people feel comfortable. No. If you come in, you got sin in your life, the last place you ought to be comfortable is in the church. Why? Because the Holy Ghost will convict you until, because he don't, the Holy Ghost will never leave you the same. He'll always make you better. Pastor, if you got the Holy Ghost, you're growing. You're not backsliding. We got too much backsliding in the church. We got too many people that have a desire for the world and at the same time have a desire for God. No, honey, you got to have one desire. You got to have one love. You got to have one devotion, and that is to Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Jesus said, unless you love me, love me more and love that less, he says, you cannot follow me. You're not even worthy to be my disciple. That's just gospel preaching right there. The fact is, we don't have much of that in some of these churches. Just good, just true gospel preaching. We want everybody to like us. We want everybody to be comfortable. But I like what one preacher said one time. He said, my job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. It's just my personality. I will never be that kind of preacher that would just come in and go, well, I hope everybody has such a good day today. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit would just fall so peaceably right upon your head and that you walk out of here just, just feeling all gooey inside. The devil is a liar. Because I want, listen, when I listen to preaching, you know, I don't know how you choose your preachers on YouTube, but when I, the harder they are, the more I want to listen to them. I, I still like those fire and brimstone preachers too. I used to listen. I, I still like to listen to David Wilkerson. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm talking about a man that when he preaches, he will literally make you anguish in your spirit. I remember one time he preached a message called when the worm never dies. I'm saved. I'm a preacher. I'm in the ministry. I got so convicted I fell beside my own bed and gave my heart to the Lord again. That's the kind of preachers that we need in our life because they keep us right. They keep us holy. They keep us hungry. They keep us with a desire. God help us. But I'm telling you what, God give us preachers again that have a backbone that will stand behind the pulpit and declare what thus saith the Lord. Well, we might have little churches. Well, you know what? I'd rather have a little church that stands on truth than to have a big church that believes a lie. Preach, Pastor. I'm way off. I'm way off my message right now. But I want revival. So I don't want revival so I can have a big church. I don't want revival because it brings crowds. I don't want revival because it gives more money. I want revival because I want him. I'm hungry for him. I'm in love with him. And because of my love for him, I'm willing to lay aside all other lovers. All other desires. You can't have all these different lovers. It's only one. And that's him. We really want revival? I'm going to tell you what, revival... Revival will take change in us. A move of God will, will, will demand of us a sacrifice. We cannot go to church and say, God, let the fire fall and never put an, a sacrifice on the altar. Because if you go into the Old Testament, you learn something about the altar. Fire never fell on the altar until there was something offered on the altar. A sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, Paul says, I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. Oh, he said that H word again. There's two H words that the church don't like to hear. That's hell and Holy. I got some other words that you, the church, but we just, that's a whole other subject. We don't like the, the R word, rebuke, or the C word, correction. And then some of us will never, ever speak this word, I'm sorry. Because it means, it means we're wrong. But we want revival. Never happened. He says, Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's the Bible. He, Paul says that is your reasonable service. That, one translation says that's your reasonable worship. If you can't do that, then there's no more that you could ever achieve. If you can't offer yourself as a holy sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice. God would rather have you than have the money you put in the offering. God would rather have your obedience. I can't remember who, who it was. Tell me, it might have been you, Seth. Said that, how do you recover from disobedience? 
You have to obey yourself to recovery. Some people, they'll never come back to where they were because they're not willing to obey. Jesus said, why call, you, call me Lord, Lord, and then don't do the things that I say. I was talking to Christopher and Adam Sunday. One thing that has really been on my heart is that we, this generation has been so obsessed with worship that we've laid the word of God to the side. We have an hour worship and a 15-minute word. Because worship don't challenge. Worship don't convict. Worship don't demand change. The purpose of worship is to break up the fallow ground of your heart and to prepare your heart to receive the seed of God's word. But it's the word of God that brings forth the change. The Bible says you were born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. And that seed is the word of God. You were born again by the word of God. The word of God is what changes you. The word of God is what transforms you. If you're really saved, you'll want more of that word. Not less. I love the, man, I will spend my whole entire day in this right here because I'm still obsessed with with this word. And I, I've been doing this 21 years and I'm still learning something new every day. Or bless God, I don't know how you get so much to preach on. I, you know what? You get in there and God will just blow your mind. I'll find myself, I'll, I've got, I know I got Sunday's message to prepare. I know the topic. I know the text. But I'm telling you what, I have gone off on so many trails. I don't know if, my, if it's my ADHD or what, but it's just, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. But I find out that there's so much in this book. It will blow your mind if you will ever open it up and really start to digest it. That's why Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I'm talking about the, the, the T-H-E's, the thes in the Bible are so powerful it'll change your life. Every comma, every period, every semicolon. It, 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 will, it will change your life. Every jot, every tittle of the word of God, every precept, every, every truth, every doctrine, every teaching, if you digest it, it will literally transform your life. Some of us wouldn't deal with sin so much, so much if we'd hide the word of God in our hearts. David said, I hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because there's something about the constraints of the word of God. It won't let you sin. As a matter of fact, it won't let you feel comfortable in sin. Paul said that the word of God is like a mirror. It'll tell you really about yourself. Come on, I thank God for the word. Because I'm telling you what, the word has convicted me. I'll be ready. Mm, I ain't living that. Now you could say, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me to walk this out. Or some people do this. <laughs> Find me a better verse. Oh, here, here we go. I'm above and not below. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I'll be the, I'll be the lender and not the borrower. Oh, but let me bring you before that. He says, unless you hearken unto my word and obey it. 
He says, and if you don't, then he gives you a big old long list of curses. We, we, want, we want to preach the, the blessing, but there's a cursing too. The word. You got to be hungry for the word. Get the Bible out. I love worship. Don't, listen, don't get me wrong. I love worship. Now, don't get mad at me if I tell you this. I know some people won't like this. Adam may stone me. <laughs> but sometimes I'll fast forward to the worship just to get to the word. Just do. I, don't, I, don't, I love worship, but I'm, I love the word. I'm so glad now they have the, the, the capability of separating the worship from the, the message. But I love the word. I'm addicted. Yeah, podcasts, iTunes, come on. This generation has so much access to the word of God, and I don't know why in the world we don't have revival by now. Here's why, because we're not living it. We got so much access to the word of God that we're not even living what we got. I remember a story. This is actually a David Wilkerson story. David Wilkerson was in the park, um, Central Park, preaching the gospel as he normally did. And he was preaching. And he said a man who was rough looking, he could tell that you know, he, was, he, he was on drugs, came to him while he's holding his Bible and he kept taunting him, taunting him. Kept saying, you know what, I'll take that Bible from you and I'll roll it up and I'll smoke a joint with it. He kept saying that constantly to David Wilkerson. What, if, what would you do if I took that Bible and tore it all to pieces and used the papers to roll a joint? So you know what the guy did? He knocked the Bible out of David Wilkerson's hands, grabbed it, and David screamed at him and said, hey, wait one second. He said, listen, before you smoke it, read it. That's what he said. He said, before you smoke it, read it. The man is in a rundown hotel room, and he's getting ready to do that very thing, take some of the Bible and tear the pages out and, and roll a, a joint with it and smoke it. And he remembered what the preacher said. Read it before you smoke it. And it just so happens he tears out the piece of the Bible that said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And something gripped that man's heart. He knelt down and he began to pray and ask the Lord into his life. Two years later, Two years later, David Wilkerson's out there preaching the gospel again. He sees this man in a suit, nice dress, clean cut, come up to me. He said, you don't remember me, do you? He's like, no, I don't remember you. He said, I'm the man who took the Bible and said, I'm going to smoke it, smoke a joint from the pages of it. He said, when you told me that, I went to my hotel room. I read it. God transformed my life, and now I'm a preacher myself. We got 66 books of the Bible with that kind of stuff in it. 
One man was saved from one verse. I remember watching a video of these people in the jungle and, and these missionaries were bringing these Bibles into to them. They'd never had a Bible. And what Bibles they didn't, some of them had pages. Some of them had slivers of scriptures. And I remember watching them as they brought these Bibles into them on these boats. You could see them. They were so excited. They were literally going into the water, pressing each other, almost, almost mobbing each other just to get to those Bibles. You can't even get people to come to church to, go li- to come and listen to the Bible, much less go around the river mobbing somebody trying to get a Bible. And when they got it, I, it broke me down so bad. I'm serious, guys. I lost it. I lost it. Because when they grabbed it, they grabbed it and they hugged it. And they put their arms around it. And they were kissing it. And I remember one of the guys saying, what have you done since you had, haven't had a Bible? And the guy took him and showed him he had a half of a page I can't remember what page it was, but he said, I have a half of a page. He says, you mean to tell me you have built all these churches in this region from a half a page of the Bible? Wow. He said, yeah, and you know what the crazy thing is? He said, I've had a half a page of the Bible, and I preach something different from it all the time. Church, we got 66 books of the Bible. Why can't we turn our world upside down? We should have had revival by now if we really believe what this book says. This book is powerful. This book is life-changing. It's not just ink and paper. This is inspired by the Holy Ghost of God. And God's looking for somebody that will pick it up, knock the dust off of it, and start to believe it. Start to believe that he said, I will do unreal things in your life. Start to believe that it it can happen today. It can happen now. Don't worry, I'm going to finish the rest of this message. Not tonight. I know, I just scared it. Every one of you got scared. (laughs) Did you hear him? Everybody got tightened up real quick. <laughs> All I know is I want to be real so that I can see the unreal. I think that's the, the, the main message that I have for you. The, the point tonight is I want to be real so that I can see the unreal. You can't be fake and see the unreal. You can't go through the motions or have a form of it. You got to be real. Stand to your feet. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue being a part of all that God is doing here at Destiny Church. You can text to give at 828-662-3453 or you can give online at destinyauto.com. That's destinyotto.com. We would love for you to also subscribe to your Destiny podcast and for you to also share this podcast with family and friends. And again, thank you for joining us.